You're listening to Sports Content Strategy with Mr. Richard Clark. One of the feedbacks you get is, can you give us a choice and when we choose one? The reality of doing something like this is you take as much care and attention as you can to it, but you can't do it by committee. We projected it on the suspension bridge. We projected it on the old tobacco buildings iconic buildings around the city uh, it's very important for me for something like that you don't want it to be a commercial thing here it's on billboards so it was like it's on bricks and mortar and things that you feel close to you have to live it i think that's where many club redesigns have gone wrong because you've got someone who comes in thinking oh, i can do this it's a commercial thing i know my stuff go down one route and then you're like yeah it is really good bank done and then everyone goes i hate it and they seem surprised hi richard clark here welcome to sports content strategy Successfully rebranding their image is among the hardest tasks a sports organisation will ever seek to accomplish. Fans, especially those in football, are tribal, resistant to change and often lack a clear vision of what they want. But they'll always tell you, mostly straight in your face, what they don't want. And anyway, the very concept of clubs as brands will jar against groups who have a deep emotional attachment based on the very essence of their identity. When did you last see the logo of Starbucks, Coca-Cola or any other major brand tattooed on the arm of a vociferous devotee who's happy to spend a hefty chunk of their time and money travelling around the country in support? Many clubs have rebranded themselves in recent years, but some have had to backtrack immediately in the face of supporters' protests. However, Bristol City seem to have made a success of theirs. So I travelled down to Ashton Gate to speak to Chairman John Lansdowne about the reinvention of the Robins. John is also in charge at Bristol Sport, the marketing group that supports their ownership of City, the Bristol Bears Rugby Club and the Bristol Flyers basketball team. It's a very impressive setup, evolving organically and laying down deep roots of local support. They're clearly doing things the right way and their rebrand was just another indication of this. Go to richardclark.com to scroll through all the podcasts I've done throughout 2019 and 2018. And if you want to contact me about consultancy or lecturing or journalism or anything else that I do, conferences, then uh, contact me at rich at mrrichardclark.com. My email address, rich at mrrichardclark.com. Anyway, enough of that. Let's talk about the Robins and their new red breasts with this man. John Lansdowne, I'm chairman of Bristol City Football Club. I'm also director for Bristol Bears and Bristol Flyers. That's rugby and basketball. I'm also chair of Bristol Sport, which is our sort of commercial marketing function. It runs those functions for all of the clubs. Thanks for speaking to me. Um, first of all, just put some flesh on the bones about the Bristol Sport project, because I've worked in America and you get, I worked in Denver, where the KSE group owned the Colorado Rapids and the Denver Nuggets and the Colorado Mammoth uh, and the, and the um, uh, ice hockey team whose name completely avalanche 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 god i saw, I saw, I saw them a few times it's a little bit unusual to do that in england but you've done that so i think to start to tell the story about what you've done branding wise just talk about the vision you've you've got for bristol sport and what you've done so far yeah so you you're entirely right it is something that's quite common in the states but it's very foreign here and i think it's pretty much the first one where it's been done you've got places where they've had rugby and football in the same stadium but they're normally kind of up against each other rather than together um, and that's what's really different about the model it's not 
it's not an umbrella company anything like that it kind of sits behind the teams so we we say we're the team behind the team and what we're trying to do is take the efficiencies and advantages you can have for having teams that cover commercial media marketing of all the clubs so you can sort of you have dedicated resources in in areas of those to the individual clubs but you also you have a greater pool to to use as a resource when you've got a particular flashpoint or um big push going on in one particular club so it kind of allows you to have that that bigger picture and also it gives you a uniqueness when you're taking out internationally nationally when you're talking to to brands or other clubs anything else then you know it's something that people can really relate to and that stands you apart from everyone else that was the main reason it was kind of set up to have that kind of unique bit but mainly to allow the teams to concentrate purely on the grass so or the court and basketball terms but it's there's so much going on certainly in football in terms of player recruitment academy and coaching the first team that for, for me for us you really don't need that distraction of how many tickets have we sold what's the next you know of course we still get asked those questions but you get asked those questions in a in a challenge way not in a I'm responsible for it as in the chief executive of the football club kind of way so there's so much of a, a business for want of a better word there in terms of player recruitment player retention everything else player trading that you, there's more than enough to focus on there where it's obviously big money in football terms now as well where we want our teams to be able to perform to the best of their ability so for me and so this this definitely gives you an advantage in that sense because yes you of course you have the challenging the questioning can you do more in terms of their last Bristol sport but what it does allow them to do is it kind of other than that challenge responsibility it takes away from them to be able to focus purely on what is more than enough in terms of a football club or a rugby club and what we're here to talk about is the rebranding of Bristol City and I, I'll lay my cards on the table I, I really liked what you ended up with and I, I came to you because I, I wanted to understand what you did how you did it what the process was because it's a very tricky thing we've seen it go wrong quite spectacularly in the past so you know, first question: What what were you trying to do with your rebranding? Why rebrand? I suppose is the question. I mean, you wanted to modernise, um, but actually, both rugby club and football club were based on the city of Bristol Crest, and it's one of those things where it's a proud part of your heritage, but it's not easily identifiable as your club, and certainly with a younger generation coming through. Um, and if you are asking, I know we're talking about the football one, but the Bears one came first in terms of rugby. And in one way, it's more of an extreme rebrand because it's changing the name of the club from Bristol Rugby to Bristol Bears. Um, but it was certainly a sort of signifying a stake in the ground for a change in the club's fortunes and how the club's run. And I think it was, for us, it was an important part of that to almost have the before and after but you still very much respect your heritage and you're proud of it but it was very much a right this is what we're doing going forward and this is why we're doing it and trying to take people on that journey so it was almost more of an extreme position but rugby is much less under the media spotlight it's much less under the social media spotlight so it was more extreme but in one in some sense easier have to do the same things to try and take people on the journey with you but you feel less like you're going to get pitchforks in the car park so they care 
but it's less noisy than football. So football, we came to a year later, wanting to do the same process. Um, and really for me, it's just how do you approach that? I'm in a unique position in terms that my overall responsibilities in terms of what I've said my position is, but kind of my main responsibilities within that are brand and marketing. So the biggest challenge from a personal point of view was how do how do we go on this transition without it becoming well John said let's do that so we'll do that and my big advantage is I've supported the football club since I was six so without realising it you know a lot of the history you go in certain directions because it's a part of your life not because you think it looks nice so for that sense check I mean the first thing we did as a club was go out to the support base and say we are changing the club crest we've got a question there for you this is why it's important because we are doing this and I thought it was really important to be upfront to say we're doing it because your responses matter you wanted as much, a higher response rate as possible and for people to recognise that it was an important subject not just throw out a survey get your answers back and when you come around to releasing it say well we did survey supporters I thought it was really important to almost in the process to rip band-aids off as you go and make sure you're taking people on that journey with you and that was 3,350 responses and you did some focus groups as well so yeah how engaged were the fans I mean you were very engaged in terms of you get the response so you're finding it what, what I wanted from that is to find out what is really important to fans mm. what do they recognise as Bristol City Football Club and you're going to get a variety of answers there but you can see what common threads are coming through and for me it's all about a sense check of what you're doing as well so it helps in certain stages of, of the process it leads it and in other places it sense checks it with your focus groups and everything else so that was kind of the first step and the first forming of right that we're in the initial design phase is there anything we haven't thought about that's coming out in those answers and is there anything that we've put in or discounted that we shouldn't have done and it helps form it for me personally when we first went down to with our designers to go through the first phase of like your initial concepts you could go in this direction this direction this direction I went with a couple of people one who was Bristolian but hadn't been with the club very long or had an affinity with the club very long and someone who was uh, head of marketing but not from the area so those were kind of and me so when we had that first thing we ended up in three different places which isn't surprising because you've got a huge array of of different of different things but those are these are the points where I'm like okay well how do I how do you know you're not going off on a tangent here so I had two really helpful things in the process where someone from the club independently who'd been a fan for over 30 years went down on his own no hadn't talked to him no preconceived ideas and he ended up in the same place that I had which gave me the real confidence that okay there's a good reason you've ended up there and the other lucky thing I had in the process is someone in the industry in terms of uh, football design football fashion I invited into the process at an early stage was probably the fifth person to see it in any variety but had no reason to agree with me or say yes happened to be a Bristol City fan as well so bringing someone in in your sort of circle of trust in that sense where he could have gone out and told people this is what they're doing this is what they're doing but for me I needed the sense check of someone who would challenge and would have every right to challenge because 
you can't take everybody on the full journey with you but you can take individuals and sense check some of it so I'm jumping ahead because we're probably going to come back again but one thing he came in very passionately about is he wanted the suspension bridge and the crest I was going to ask about that because it's been in previous you've had the heraldic badges and then you've had the robin on the ball with the Clifton suspension bridge those are the kind of the two you've flipped and flopped between over the last 50, 60 years is that that fair to say? Yeah it is and design wise it's a hard thing to incorporate into a into a crest in, in a in a way that works that can work digitally and, and on physical print and it, it was one thing he was quite passionate about passionate about coming in so when he first came in to the, to the designers that was, he was they were going to go away and work on that as well as also not having it in the the roundel in terms of having the robin on its own so we went away came back when they'd worked on those and we had all the designs up and so we had bridges robins on their own and everything else and it's interesting because I walked in that room thinking, right, which one of those do I prefer the most? And he came back and went, it was better where it was. So I can't take everyone on that journey, but I knew it helped for me to know that we were doing the right thing. And look, not everyone's going to agree. You can't get to that point. But to take someone independent who was passionate about it, who came to the same result that we were at, or... or to take you to the last design phase where you're just making little tweaks was a really important thing for me because you knew you were doing the right thing. So, yeah, I mean, if I take a few steps back, the things that we wanted to take supporters on the journey said the initial bit we sent out in terms of the fan survey, for me, the second important thing was telling them that it was going to be a Robin. So we said, we're doing this. The second bit we said was, it's going to be a redesigned Robin. Uh, we also said the data formation was changing because we had 1897 on the crest before and you hear rumours of why you had that yeah I've, I've been reading about this we missed a centenary yeah, or whatever it was so there's it came, a little bit of confusion about this but <laughs> basically what happened is we originally formed as Bristol South End in 1894 the name changed to Bristol City in 1897 so if you actually go back the original foundation of the club is 1894 so it was another thing you're saying right you're trying to take away as many surprises as possible on the journey because I still describe it as when you release that badge even though they know it's going to be a redesign Robin the date's changed everything you know it's, de- it's definitely happening and also the, the last part of that is you're not going to get to vote on it because you know one of the feedbacks you get is can you give us a choice and when we choose one the reality of doing something like this is you take as much care and attention as you can to it but you can't do it by committee everything you try and do is to make sure that you are in the right place by involving fans groups uh, and then the smaller sort of focus groups and then the individuals I spoke about as well that you kind of involve on a personal level to get to something that you're confident is as good as it can be and, and well representing of the club so it was, to, it was to try and take away all the biggest questions and be as upfront as possible because I still describe it as it's like you've listened to a radio presenter for 10 years and then suddenly you see them and you go, that wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> you probably know how old they are, you know everything about them. But in the old, older days, we didn't necessarily have it all on social media or streaming online as well. You'd still see a picture of someone and you go, that wasn't what I was expecting. So you still knew, having done all of that, you'd go, here it is. And people would go, I wouldn't have done that. But you're going to get that. So, the, And the, the proof for me is in you know the reaction. You've got some of the standard reaction, it's football. Um... 
don't like this, can we revert to this? You know, we're going to start a petition, all that. But the noise went away very quickly. For a, a Crest redesign, you know, 24 hours, 40 hours, it was gone and there was a lot of positivity. And I think part of that was, it was very important to us that we put it out there in the city as well, because at the time of year you have to do it. It was March time. You know, you're putting a picture on a website saying, here it is. No one's seen it in the flesh. No one's, you know, having been part of the journey, it's very much a, here you go. Um, so, I mean, we projected it on the suspension bridge. We projected it on the old tobacco buildings, um, like sort of I, I, iconic buildings around the city. And we also had, um, we put it in what I'd describe as underground, almost fly poster sites that are legal, essentially. So they don't, they appear like, it's not, it's very important for me for something like that. It's, it's something people feel passionately about and you don't want it to be a commercial thing here, it's on billboards. So it was like, it's on bricks and mortar and things that you feel close to and in places that are cool. And we had up first at the local, um, they run sort of graffiti festivals and everything else. So they spread some of those boards up for us. So it was very much in keeping with the city way of doing it, but also so people could see it and then be familiar as quickly as possible with it rather than seeing it and then waiting till the shirt comes out three months later or something. Going back in the process because you've jumped yeah, a million sorry. miles forward there. <laughs> just going back in the process initially, that those fans' responses, those three thousand, almost three and a half thousand responses, those focus groups. What information did you take from the fans via those two uh, routes? Yeah, so the the data formation was one of them that came out of that, um, and then we sort of checked that through club historian, um, supporters club and trust. Um, other things like you know shape of badge what do people like other clubs they like the badge of other brands in terms of not football clubs necessarily or sports clubs and just a general direction things that were important to them they're saying is it is it the city of bristol is it the west country you know is it the robin is it ashton gate is it like this? so there's lots of questions in there where they're ranking what's important to them so that will help form the initial part of it and then your focus groups are, are sort of drilling that down and the focus groups are very much done with the design house and not our influence because for me it's important that they get to do that independently without any influence essentially to make it as true as possible and um, the design house that you use or the agency that you used what were the determining factors in, in appointing them well we had used them before so we used them originally with Bristol Sport and, and the Bears as well um, when we used them originally originally it was because you know part of the Bristol sport model for us is where you can keep it local so you know just the coffee shop downstairs it's not a Starbucks or a Costa it's 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 a roasted rituals which is done one and a half miles up the road is where it's roasted for me that's an important thread for us we're trying to buy the community into what we're doing and have as many touch points as possible so that runs throughout our concourse concessions everything if you can do it locally then we do because I think that's an important part of it and it's an important thread that runs through everything um, and it's it's something that's easily lost I think other sports clubs just because they're not necessarily locally owned or don't have time for it it's just not part of the, the fabric so they were they were very impressive but I mean this was a number of years ago we're talking now sort of probably six or seven years ago um, you know you have big 
London agencies, everything else in with that, and they were equally or more impressive than those. And at that time, they were based in Bath, and now they're based in Bristol. So it was a really easy decision in that sense. And the process, how long was it, and what roughly were the stages? Yeah, I mean, you're probably talking sort of over a year if you're including the planning phase I think I think the survey went out in September October time so how long are you talking there you're probably talking about six months between that bit and the delivery of the actual crest but you've got the bit planning into that saying right how are we going to do it and the other important thing I know we're jumping around a bit here that I didn't mention is when we released the crest itself we probably took what was an unusual step of releasing the design phases so we'd said, Here, here's where we started, here's the journey. Because we'd taken them on that journey, but you're also showing them, right, this is the logic behind it. Because if you just go, bang, there you go, you're always going to get, my five-year-old could have done that, whatever else, I don't like it. You're trying to tell them, look, there is logic behind the process. This is what we started with. This is the direction we chose. This is how we took the next step to the next stage. Because also, you, people, you, whenever you release something, they would have said, I would have done this, I would have done this, I would have done this. And they also realised that you're all in different directions so for me there was no reason not to do that so, so that but I think it's quite unique I don't think it, it's not a normal thing to do no it's very interesting I didn't realize you'd done that and, and let's explore that for a second because so what you're saying you released it in March yeah um, and when you release it in March you show you show the last six months of working yes yeah, so we showed we like show the very start and then yeah. the stages so you showed the start where you've got all the different routes you could go I mean you couldn't put the whole wall on but the majority of it was there and then you showed the process of looking at it on its own, looking at it with the bridge, looking at it without the bridge, and then where you ended up. And you know, for me, the launch was really important as well. We've got a brand sparkly new stadium here, which is really impressive, but this is more about the roots of the club. And we actually rebranded the Robins pub down the road, which is it's part of the fabric of the local area, but it's not sparkly and new, it's, it's the opposite. And we gave them the new crest for the launch on the pub sign and did, did it in, in the bar and had all the old shirts for people to come and see including RFA Cup shirt from early 1900s when we were in the finals for the first time so it was very much you wanted to be part of the fabric of the club rather than a same with the sort of the launch around the city rather than a oh this is just a commercial thing we've done here and we're doing it at Sparky Stadium you want them to feel part of it because they are why March? March is it's because you've got things that are coming out that you really can't stop so for me the process was very much keep it under wraps I didn't want any leaks anything like that so by that point you've got to be giving it to kit manufacturers you've got to be giving it elsewhere so you really can't hold on to it any longer ideally you want to wait till end of the season everything's gone no distractions whatever else but the reality is when you get to that point it's going to get out there you don't control it anymore so to get it right and to do the launch right and to get people bought in and the first time they see it to see it how you want them to see it not because someone's taken a picture of a first mock-up of a badge in a in a manufacturer you have to do it at that point so it, other, other things dictate that's probably the latest it could it could be done yeah having worked for Arsenal for a few years that was that yeah. happened quite a bit and now with social media having developed a lot more and things going around the world in half an hour or ten minutes or whatever it is yeah that, that makes that makes yeah, sense yeah I mean you love the story to develop organically that way through social media and everything else but you want it to be with the images you want people to see not with something that is a poor version yeah. of it because then you don't 
control the quality of what they're seeing they're not they're passing comment on something that isn't how it will appear and it's important to make sure that's not seen as controlling the message what you're what you're trying to do is just frame the story in the way where you can present it in its best light because it's always going to be it's always going to be controversial to a certain group of fans yeah so I mean part of the holding the launch event in the Robins as well was we invited fans to come along to the event so you wanted to bring it to people who've been involved in the process and open up a bit as well we, we had to do that reasonably late to open up to everybody because otherwise we couldn't fit people in but it was an open invite we got a decent number of fans down there so you want them to see it first the way you want them to see it and share it from that point so you try and do a combination of, of all of it rather than just a really controlled message because it's, it's really important that people feel an instant connection to it or as soon as possible after that because I say this when I talk about it it's, it's probably the hardest thing to do in terms of a, a redesign because even if you're talking about Coca-Cola or anything like that you know, touch points of millions of people billions of people but there's very few people who tattoo it on their body if you've got a club crest people have got it tattooed on their body like, how, do you, how do you describe that emotional Attachment. That is the classic story about branding in football, isn't it? It's tattooed on your body. Yeah, and it, you, know, you don't really want to talk about it as a brand because it's it's not a brand to fans. You know, it, you're using sort of the industry speak, but it's not. It's a redesign of, of a club crest. Um, and look, it's the same thing. Like I've I've had that experience of doing it with the Bears as well, and doing it now doing it with the football club. But still, if someone from another club said, "Right, John, I want you to do it for me," I wouldn't be able to do it on my own because the key part that's missing there is I, I haven't supported that club for 30 years I don't know it inside out like I can you can do what we've done here in the conversation and say look I know how to handle it through the steps and how to launch and everything else but in terms of that initial design phase where where you end up I wouldn't want to be in control of that I, I wouldn't mind giving a editorial opinion or a how something looks design wise how it will look online you know the various different ways that, that side of it but in terms of what's the main colour scheme of the crest or you're not going to know that unless you're part of that club and you have been you can't learn that you have to live it so I think that's where many club redesigns have gone wrong because you've got someone who comes in thinking I can do this it's a commercial thing I know my stuff go down one route and then you're like yeah it is really good bang done and then everyone goes I hate it and they seem surprised whereas it's a difficult process being a fan all my life being the industry that I'm comfortable working in and everything else it's still a difficult process so it's going to be near impossible if you're not in that situation well I was going to mention did you look at clubs that had made mistakes and learn from them or adapt according to those mistakes I've got Leeds and Cardiff screaming out from my laptop here because they're, they're perceived as having made mistakes with regard to their rebranding I mean, Leeds obviously yeah. changed theirs and Cardiff changed their colours as well which is kind of very specific the, the worrying thing about those is they're such obvious mistakes in terms of and that's uh, I suppose that's why were very you could see the learnings from it but you get past those learnings really quickly because the learnings are right when you're telling that survey tell them what it's for because one of our design team was in it and he was one of the 10,000 supporters done by Leeds in terms of sent a questionnaire but he didn't know he'd been asked he knew he'd answered a questionnaire but he had no idea what it was for so when you're coming out at the end of the process and saying right we've surveyed X number of fans here's the crest this is what they led to believe it's not 
it doesn't run true because someone who's one of those 10,000 goes didn't ask me that just asked me some questions and I answered them I had nothing that I would have answered differently if I knew it was for that so it's very much about your learnings were they were very early stages for those but it just shows how easy it is to get it wrong I think and I'm not look I'm not saying ours is perfect because it's everyone still has a different opinion but I got to a stage where I personally was really comfortable with it and thought it was really good and in a position where you're like obviously you've still got to take people on the journey and get them there but I believe you're going to get the buy-in and it might it's going to take some people longer than others but it feels right and it is us and it ticks all the other boxes so at that point you know you, you know you're in a good place but again I think I'm in a unique position to be able to do that with with our football club one of the trends we've seen with rebranding in the last 10-20 years is that badges can be made almost cartoons of their previous version Everton had an issue and they changed their badge Mm -hmm. back I remember when I was in the crowd when Arsenal's badge was revealed and (laughs) they had three three no four four kids holding a what was a a white sheet with a new badge on it and they were parading it around Highbury and of course they were going to parade it around the perimeter and of course you've got two long sides and two short sides and before they got halfway through one of the short sides the crowd was singing what a load of rubbish (laughs) because it was seen as a cartoony version of the previous version same thing with Everton now you you went the the way of a a a drawing of a robin Mm -hmm. but you've got to balance that between making it not cartoonish yeah. you, you understand what yeah. I'm saying and that's that's nuanced that's 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 mm-hmm. subjective so was that in your mind and, 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 and was that just a an opinion you drew from yourself and your your small team that were involved possibly but I don't think it was really an element we found ourselves going down if that makes sense like it's a it's quite clinical in some senses and, and simplified but it's not there's no cartoon element to it so it wasn't I can't really say we did or didn't because it never really became sort of a conversation. But it, it, it is a danger, isn't it? It's a, yeah, it's been seen. Yeah, and it, it's the it's a football thing again. You know, people generally don't like change in all walks of life. Football is probably more passionate than anything else in that sense as well. And you've got such long-seeded, deep-rooted tradition, generations, families where you know you're there because your dad was there and his dad was there and his dad was there like that's why you support the club so you've got a deep rooted sense of belonging it's difficult because for example I really admire Juventus's rebrand I think it's it was so unique it was eye catching like design wise it's a thing of beauty in that respect but it was so different from what it was before and a badge that I think was widely liked across football before because it wasn't they weren't in a bad place to start with that it had such a shock factor if you didn't need to do that you've done something that's way out there and everyone's going oh my god have you seen this it's terrible but people are probably looking at it now when you've seen what else the club has done between now and then going yeah it's great there'll still be people that prefer it as before but I mean that journey was a lot longer because it was such in the spotlight and it was such it was such a radical sort of almost the first to do it in terms of European football in that sense but they created an identity that was instantly recognisable as Juventus like it looks like a J but it still looks like a crest like it looks so good digitally it's got the stripes 
Yeah, and, and I mean, no one's thinking when it comes out. Football fans in Glasgow look great. Right? They're going to be, able, you know, they run it through so much of their kit, their leisure wear, everything else that it's it's so rooted in everything they do now that people who hadn't been involved in that original debate would look like coming into it fresh would look at it and go, yeah, that's pretty nice. But it was so polarising at the time. And I suppose you probably keep those opinions to yourself before you do a <laughs> redesign yourself, because otherwise everyone's thinking, oh my God, what's he going to do? <laughs> Lots of things in what you just said, but did you think about um, how it would look on a, uh, a shirt, a puffer jacket, on the stadium? On, because you, because it's going to have to be used in its various iterations in so many different ways and it's got to be adaptable you have to and you know part of the reason saying you have it within the round all or, or outside was if you had it outside on its own it's always going to be on a red kit the issue you have is because of the, the gaps in the design almost you wouldn't have that red breast standing out on its own so when it's just the white outline the rest of the robin is also red so you kind of lose the impact of it and I the decision was we could get to that point at some point but when the, when you first do it is probably not the right time for that so the nice thing for me is we use the full crest when it's you know if it's on Sky Sports and the media or if it's on our match day wear so the, the jacket they walk out with and the playing kit but on all our training kit it's just the Robin on its own and that's the nice thing about how flexible it is so the Robin is for us we know what it is the Robin is ours we use that on its own, but when we're telling everyone who we are still, it's Bristol City Football Club with the Robin. And you, it just gives you that flexibility. Design-wise, it looks a lot nicer. It's familiar to the people that know it. They feel like it's theirs, whereas not everyone else will necessarily instantly know that in the early days, but they do. And it feels like it's theirs because it's used for them, essentially. And that could develop over time or we could stick with how it is but it, for me it's the important bit is it how flexible it is and how you can use it in different situations just a myth bust for a second I was on many a Bristol forum last <laughs> night researching <laughs> this so is there a B and an S for Bristol sports within the bird itself and is there a C on the ball no that's a load of rubbish yeah. okay fine but you see what I'm saying I can see a B I can and see an when S. you look into it but no I mean it's more of an R and an O is where the design point started from. So right. the ball, when it's in its entirety, and the shape of the bird was more before it was a bit more portly as well. Okay. So it was more of an R, ah, shape okay. of the robin, okay. and, and an O from the ball. All right. So I'll, I'll have I can to see. I can see how it's end, I can see how it's ended up there, but <laughs> yeah. it's 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 okay. mere coincidence. And and just to be in detail again, the eighteen ninety four, the yeah. ninety four is in bigger text. Why is that? To be honest, I think that was a design. Just design. Element. There's was, nothing in there. And, and yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. And the round. Any? Did you experiment with a, a shield, or were you always going for the round? Um, the round works better, especially with the design we ended up with. And in terms of being more visible, it's quite hard to fit a robin in a shield and have the Bristol City stamp there as well and get the right colourings. And it just—it looks more old-fashioned. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't really suit it, if that makes sense. But that was also kind of the feedback you got from surveys in terms of what non-sporting brands do you like and what sporting brands do you like. A lot of the time, it was the round ones. We've talked about this a bit, but just to ask you a direct question: there's signal and there's noise, mm -hmm. isn't there? And was that the hardest part 
of this process to determine what was noise and what was a, a signal because Leeds would have launched theirs gone through the same process been confident as well and yet the 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 noise was was the signal as well if you know what I mean there. from a personal point of view it helps your position in the club you deal with this in terms of transfers everything else so I think the whole job is essentially being able to be able to separate what is just noise and what is real and you normally work out how it reaches you in terms of is it just noise or is there something more to this and it's very difficult if you've not been in the industry because you don't have the thick skin or necessarily the ability to define what's what as I said we got the same noise as everybody else at the start because I suppose the problems of the issues of having a card if it leads is those people who've done it terribly for, sorry no, I'm not trying to talk out of turn but I don't think they disagree with that either in hindsight and every football club's fans will know right if I if something's launched and even just the shock factor means I don't like it because it's not what I expected right, what did Leeds fans do right, they, did, they did a petition they did this they did this they did this so every club who does a rebrand will get one of those but it's just you don't have any many signatories on it and everyone else goes I'm not as, uh, it's not what I expected it's not necessarily what I've chosen but I don't think so it, it kind of becomes self-fulfilling self-policing whatever else you've got to give people the time to get used to it and I think that was why it was important to get it out there physically in the city as well so people have a chance to see it on screen you know you've got a week or two to familiarise yourself where you've seen it around the place and go I quite like it actually and if after that point people are going no then you'd start to think mm, okay but to be honest with us it did go away very very quickly it, it's the old journalistic attribute does this story have legs if the story has legs and it doesn't go away and in fairness I don't want to pick on Leeds and Cardiff it's just two that I've, I've picked out but Leeds in fairness to them held their hands up and said okay that's not worked and I don't think it's affected the way the fans have felt about them because they accepted the error Yes, and they've gone back and changed it um, and, and fair play to them and you know some of the Leeds guys I work with at Arsenal and they're very clever people mm-hmm. and, and also it's a strength to admit you've got it wrong Correct. sometimes exactly. as a club yep. yeah, and be prepared to change it yeah the biggest mistake you can do is push through that so yeah one thing you, you've been um, experimenting with hashtags on shirts <laughs> over the previous eight it right that's a smile <laughs> you're giving me a big smile there and you got knocked back by the league of various we did that once <laughs> sorry <laughs> we did that once okay so what, what's the uh, I'm not sure if I've I've uh, scratched an itch or no it was sort of three or four or years ago oh, and right. it was one of those where they were technically saying you couldn't do it I'm not so, sure so whether what, I'm so not, it was it was making Bristol proud was it was yeah it, so you had well you had one that sat above the Bristol Sport Crest because we were the manufacturer of the kit and that related to the manufacturer and the other one was with Bristol City above the Bristol City badge and I think I think you could have made an argument that it was absolutely fine but I think they're probably worried about the precedent it's set so people start doing marketing or whatever else so it, it wasn't worth the argument in that sense so you tried it and the EFL pushed you back I can't remember if it was EFL or FA or, or what it was but, but yeah <laughs> um, how did you use you've talked about this to a certain extent but the use of social media in the launch of it because Bristol's been quite strong Bristol City's been quite strong um, in social media in the past few years you know, good name with the goal gifts the goal gifts got you out there um, but you know, what was your social media strategy for launching this kit you talked about some of it but just to go into a bit of further detail 
this probably goes into the values of the clubs and, and the organisation as, as a whole really you know our, our sort of mantra as it were and how I try and describe it easily is we take what we do extremely seriously but we don't take ourselves too seriously while we do it so the standards we set and everything else are really high and that line is never crossed but we try and have some fun while we do it and you know you look at the gold gifts for example we're using an old platform an old technology and showing some personality that's all we've done but that was so rare in the world of football that it got the attention it got and you're looking at that and looking at that going wow this is kind of crazy because you really haven't done anything that groundbreaking but it is groundbreaking in another sense so to be honest everything is built on that foundation and I know it's not one of the Colorado teams we're talking about, but it, you know I follow baseball quite strongly, and it's quite common in the states. And the Colorado Rockies are one of those. There's a number of them, but for me, it's just it's adding a bit of personality to it, and it's not necessarily look your club websites, your club statement, or whatever else. Why repeat that on social media? Why not try and have a bit of personality and a bit of fun? And you know, I think there's a performance element to that as well because football fans feel more detached from players than they used to it's quite an easy thing to happen if the team's going through a bad spell it's very easy for people to go it's just an overpaid athlete doesn't care and part of what you're trying to do with showing some personality is to humanise the players because a lot of them are they are good people they are just human they just happen to be really good at football and that's how they earn their living but it's an emotional game as we've spoken about anyway and the connection people have and when something's not going well you have an emotional reaction to it and they take the brunt of that but if you can show you know them clapping if you can show insights even if it's just them applauding the away fans after an away game in and amongst them so that you feel you're part of it even if you're not there because for me that's normally 10% of our home crowd and away crowd so what, what about the 90% that haven't gone how do you, you make them feel like they were there and you know even showing them coming down the tunnel that they care it's, it's a two or three second clip whatever it is but people realise that they do care and they are human and they do have families and other issues and everything else and it just gives them a bit of credit for when times are tough or anything else and I just think, I think that's really important whether that's a performance thing a mental health thing or anything else I know that's a bit of a deeper answer than goal gifts but there, there's there's some reasoning behind it as well but yeah and that's more broadly on your social media but your social media with with the with the new new badge how how did you what was your strategy there? yeah so for that it was really i mean the whole launch kind of relied on it being under wraps until you launched it and i've mentioned location before the robins pub is it's a few hundred yards down the road but it's very much a fans pub it's an old school pub and we did some redesign within that to give that so it was exclusive for them in that sense gave them a, a pub sign updated their Robins pub sign to the new crest everything else and just you wanted to take it into the community and with the fans inviting fans along to the event so you're trying to give that immediate ownership to this is yours this is for you not shiny new shiny stadium here's your corporate crest because that's not what it is but it's very easy to perceive it that way if that's how you launch it so it was the combination of things that with the projections on the buildings and landscapes and and the graffiti 
stenciled artwork that went around. It's community based, isn't it? And that's your DNA. It, but also, that's a Bristol DNA as well. In terms of graffiti artists, the, the buildings, everything else, you want to put it on the fabric that people. That is part of Bristol. The independence, but everything else. That those are sort of traits that run through Bristolians. That's what they they like. They used to. That's what they feel connected to. So you should see something that's that important to you in in a way that relates as well. How did you keep it under wraps and did you have a contingency plan for it being on the back of the local paper two days before you were set to launch? Because <laughs> that would have been a nightmare, right, given what yeah. you're saying? I kept it under wraps by showing it to as few people as possible in that sense and you know, probably almost too much at the time. There was definitely having a meeting with the media guys here where you're talking about how we're going to launch it, how we're going to do this, the videos, we're going to do anything else. And there was definitely one near the end where was like, he said, like, yeah, I'm more than happy to help, but I just don't, like, can we see, you know, I don't feel like, if you want me to help, I'll help, but yeah, you don't trust us, you haven't shown it to us. I was like, no, absolutely fine. Come and see it, talk you through it. But I didn't want to send it to anyone. Yeah. Because as soon as you send it to someone, you put them in the awkward position that if they share it incorrectly or anything else, it's going to come back to them. So for me, it was close that loop so that you're not sending it to on email or anything else you're doing it to as few people as possible and working in places that are private when you're doing those things up so that when you come to launch it there really isn't any way you know the only risk of it being leaked is when you're doing up the pub on the day of the launch really and you're inviting media to that launch as well as as fans it wasn't really a media launch so you weren't doing interviews or anything like that but you were saying we did, we've got an event come along so because it wasn't for the media it was for the, for the fans but you did you did have a few there where you'd say we are doing something come along but it's in that guy's not a we're going to put people up for interview and launch it through the press that wasn't a point so you, you just limit as much as you can and it's no different than when you're signing players or anything else you know you you have a close-knit circle of trust group and you build a culture where you can trust each other but for me sending it around wasn't because I didn't trust anyone it was just if you don't have it you can't send it to the wrong person and put yourself in a position where a leak traces back to you but come and see it come and be involved and when you need to edit it for a video or for a, a placement that's going to go on social media on the night we'll do that in one location and do it all together sort of thing so it re- really quite simply by just being careful about it you took on board the old Bristol Academy ladies team mm-hmm. women's team who were playing in blue a few years ago when I yeah. saw them play against yeah. Arsenal. Now they play in, in Bristol City colours. Mm-hmm. And the Bears kit now has a splash of red on it. Yep. And you've obviously you've got the Flyers basketball team and they're they're playing in, in red, aren't they? Blue and red. Blue and red. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. is is this is a <laughs> this is a Bristol question, but are you gradually turning blue to red? <laughs> no. <laughs> There's a rover's angle to that. <laughs> but uh, no, um, I mean the Bears is more for identity as much as anything. If you you kind of if you, the stadium seats are red, not that that's an influence, but if you just look where they play their traditional blue and white hoops, and we'll always retain an element of that. I mean right. the socks and the kit are blue and white hoops. So, so, so you won't be turning it, everything Bristol City no, red. No, it's not. The, it's not. It's 100% not the intention. It's it's purely out of right. You change for me. If you change the bears and then you just put on a blue and white hoop shirt, what's changed in that respect? So it goes back to the heritage and the nod to the past. So you always want to include an element of a blue and white hoop in the kit 
in everything you do, any other training wears navy, everything else is the dominant colour. But the, the blue and the red there is is kind of their home shirt identity. And we had the blue and white hoops on the sleeve in the first year of the kit. We don't this year, but it's still in the socks. So there's no it's moved to where it's gonna to move to in terms of its 60-40 blue red essentially how it how it works. That's 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 kind of the identity. And that's more because if you take a back step and look at it, it's bath are essentially blue and white hoops blue white and black but it's you know they've got all the tradition and everything else so you're trying to position yourself slightly differently but still retain that and that's that's more the reason behind it than anything I know you're a big fan of US sports did any of that fandom that what you've learned from US sports creep into this process creeps the wrong word no I think I think you you take your influences from what you know and what you like but I also I'm aware that our market is very different from the US market and they're used to being communicated to and treated differently than, than here. So there, there, are, there are crossover elements, of course there are, but you just, you, you've got to take what you like from that and then use it in a way that is more easily acceptable in your, in your um, sort of locality, if that makes sense. It's, but yeah, there, there are things that I think they do really well in the States, um, particularly follow baseball, and there, there are plenty of teams doing really impressive stuff but I think it's different situations as well I mean if you're looking at baseball you play 162 games in a regular season so you've got to you've got to keep it fresh because otherwise it's going to be really boring <laughs> so it's like they have a different situation as well but it means that they do have fun stuff and they do have larger teams to draw on because the amount of content they have to produce and put out is sixfold just by the sheer number of games let alone the populace and everything else and the eyeballs on it a previous podcast I did with Julian Valentin from the Rockies and yeah 162 games I don't I don't envy no. him that's hard to keep fresh but that, that's but, hard to keep fresh but they do it really well yes fair. they do and it's you know that's one of and it, but if you took that complete tone of voice and brought it straight to football it would great but but there are elements of it that are, are brilliant, and 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 you know that's why I, it, it's one of the few sort of teams I follow that isn't a team I support first and foremost. Got my baseball teams, the Mets, New York Mets, but the Rockies are almost my second team because of their social media. I oh, really well. I'll tell Julian that. And no, but I mean that kind of gives you the light bulb as well because you're going the good. It's the same thing where you know people are saying I only follow this account for the goal gifts. Like, that's not our main audience of course it's not we do everything we do for the fans but a byproduct is you can grow a support base by your sort of your culture as much as anything but also how you present yourself and they're not necessarily your fans of the future or anything else but you're striking a chord with someone the same reason I'm more likely to go watch the Colorado Rockies than any other baseball team if I'm not watching the Mets it's not my you know it's not my fandom but it's it's a second team yeah I mean I'll, I'll say this not you because I don't run a, fo- a football club but um, having worked in the US sport there is a lot that football in England can learn from the way that the US uh, creates more of an entertainment 
brand and I'll say that word around their sport because I think going forward it's going to be increasingly hard for football clubs to retain their sport or even grow their support when there are a million other options for 12 year olds like my son who is playing video games rather than watching TV sports so there is a change in communication that football clubs need to embrace and existing fans need to accept um, that 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 change of communication is going to happen and it's a good thing rather than just retain <laughs> our tradition now I'll say that because I don't run a football club but do you understand what I'm saying yeah de- definitely and it has to be a transition because you've got to take the people on the journey with you and they're the most important people but it's also they're not the only ones you're talking to so that's the challenge you're, you're talking to the people that you hold dearest that matter the most and changing the way you do it slightly without alienating them but talking to a new audience as well so that's that's a very hard thing to manage and it's harder in football than it is in rugby because football is more tribal rugby is more like American sport in that sense and that people are coming to an event yes they care whether their team wins or not and how they're representing everything else but it's not the be all and end all they come for an event and a day out and yes they want their team to win and yes they're passionate about it but it's not the be-all and end-all. If if you're a Bath supporter and Bath are playing away at Newcastle and Bristol are home to Exeter, they might come and watch Bristol Exeter because they want to come to an event and they support rugby. Whereas in football, if City are away at Newcastle United and Rovers are at home, there's not many people going down the road to watch it because it's a tribal thing. And I think that helps explain how you can use a tone of voice and how long a time period you need to transition in that sense as well. Because... It, it can grate against your existing supporters more easily than it can with rugby with rugby they're more likely to enjoy it and lap it up straight away because there's more of a crossover between that and American sport I believe than football how do you measure success the success of this rebranding because one of the measures of success might be relative silence <laughs> because because it was the amount of noise against and I use Lees and Cardiff we're being unf- I'm being unfair to, to Lees and Cardiff but we'll use those it was the amount of noise mm-hmm. that that uh, makes those considered a failure so what do you consider success the, the measures of success I think you know from a personal point of view it's how how quickly does it become familiar so you, do, you, you know your initial reaction to talking what's the noise and that goes away pretty quickly you know you've got enough things right because people are on the journey with you and you've got to take them on the journey with you but then I think it becomes A what do other people think of it potentially in different areas because it doesn't matter as much as the fans but you're going to get um, less emotional feedback from them because you're getting different feedback in that sense it's not the same You need to, that's when you see does it work on a wider basis rather than just the people it's most important to and and as I said it was like the, the Bears rebrand we were two or three months in and you're like it feels like we're years in and I think when you're on the inside almost that's how you can feel how well has it gone because it, it, it feels like part of the fabric and I think the quicker you get to that the better and that's where you want to take players staff coaches on the journey with you as well I mean I didn't really talk about that when we talked about the rebrand but you involve the manager the players you present it to them you know before you launch it so that they're part of it the players came to the launch and the new training where whatever else they're all part of it so you want to get that buy-in of your group because it's really important they're the best ambassadors for you as well and if they don't believe it then how do you take people on the journey with you so 
So that's probably one element I've left out when we've talked about it before, but that was an important element to present it to them again in a way that you can't it can't leak out. So you're doing it quite late in the day, but you're presenting them why you've done it, how you've got to it, and giving them the story before it goes public so that they can ask questions and feel bought into it and part of it as well. And was there shirt sales? Was shirt sales any metric there? Yes, I mean, obviously that's not instant, but the, the shirt sales have gone up. Um, it certainly has. It's probably an easier definer in rugby than football in that sense, because if you look at football, they're going up anyway. But you do see a jump. This is our first year, so you haven't got the full year's numbers, but again, it's our fastest shirt sales. But that's not... I don't think that's necessarily the best indicator of it because it's it's a, it's, a, it's a part of it and you can judge it that way. But I think it kind of goes with everything else. It's not it's not the reason you've done it to sell more shirts. It's it's to put yourself in a in a better position for the long term. And you're not designing something for now. You're designing something that can hopefully last you the next hundred years. Yeah. And was this part of uh, your push for the Premier League? Because this club is setting itself up to go to the Premier League, right? That, that's where it's yeah. trying to get to, obviously. And it's 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 knocking on the door in terms of the play, of the playoffs and, and and promotion. I think it's just a natural part of the journey in that sense. You know, would does it is it easier received now you're playing in a new stadium and you've progressed and new training grounds coming? It feels like the right part of the natural club cycle. Whereas if you'd done it five years earlier when you first looked in, probably went I could do with updating. If you did it at that stage, it's it would probably grate more with fans at that point because it's just a new what's badge, changed right? other yeah. than a new badge yeah. whereas now you can see we're a totally different club than we were five years ago so it feels like a natural part of that cycle and I think that's another important thing if you're trying to give advice that's not what I'm trying to do tell everyone how to do it but you don't want to force something don't do it for the sake of it like it's if it's natural and, and needed then it's going to be a lot smoother than if you're thinking I could probably do something slightly better but do you need to I think it's for both clubs who've done rugby and football it was a natural part of, of that progression and final one as I say I came into this because I think it's generally perceived to have been a success um, what would you have done differently? I don't think there is much I would have done differently and that's not saying we did everything right but I don't think we could have done much more in terms of uh, we tried to plan out beforehand, ask the important questions, be as open as possible without designing by committee to get to the right result. So because I'm really happy with how it went and how we ended up, I'm not sure I would change anything. But that's not an arrogant answer saying we got everything right, if that makes sense. But it's difficult when when you're happy with the process and how it went and you're happy with the result, it's hard to say you would have changed anything. But at the same time, it's not saying everything's perfect. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. You can find Sports Content Strategy on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Go to sportscontentstrategy.com for more information and to sign up to the newsletter. Richard is at Mr. Richard Clark on all social media. Read his blog at mrrichardclark.com. Thank you.